have I got a story for you. Well, this one might be more about insight for you. Know any young athletes? Do they or you have aspirations of being a D1 athlete? Then you're going to want to hear what this coach has to say. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Umbrellas. Umbrellas want you to know there's a reason they are not on the clearance rack, regardless of the season. Sure, sweaters lose their value when the temperature rises, but not umbrellas. Portable summer shade. That's right. As the weather gets warmer, warmer the need for shade gets stronger. Imagine how cool you'll feel when those summertime strolls won't have to be cut short because of sweat and sun. Did you know that shade reduces temperature's feel by 10 to 15 degrees? We're talking about a stifling, man, I'm going to keep my ass in the AC, 95 degrees, dropping to an enjoyable 80 degree day, all because you brought your umbrella along for the outing. Umbrellas aren't just for rainy days, people. They've been providing comfort and affordability since their steel-ribbed upgrade in 1852. That's a shout-out to Samuel Fox and Google, because it's not like I knew that shit. That is nearly 200 years of consistency. Name another product that has that kind of reputation and longevity for serving its customers. Umbrellas wanted to remind you, That shade from the sun is just as fun as staying dry in the rain. So why not go buy a couple more? Come on, keep one in the car, one at work, one in your kid's book bag, one by the door. They're lightweight, compact, affordable, and a great source of insurance and chivalry, fellas, against all types of sporadic weather. Umbrellas, what hats and hoods have always strive to be. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart. Take some time while you're at home doing chores, while you're going for a walk, while you're driving to the store. Get to know different people from all over. You never know who you'll enjoy getting to know until you know them. Friend or follow us to get updates when new pods are posted. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's getting the number two. No, the letter U, pod. And now, getting to know you. today's show, we are getting to know Coach David Caputo, head coach of Delaware Women's State Delaware State Women's Basketball. Did I, didn't mess that up too bad, did I? <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay, man. All right. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you for uh, coming on the show. I know you're busy um, and you squeezed us in, so I'll get right to it. Um, what's your story? 
No problem. Good morning. Um, right now, just trying to uh, put things in perspective with all that's going on in the world. So just trying to stay safe, um, healthy, take care of my family, um, stay in contact with my players, coaches, um, university, just, um, you know, just trying to just trying to get through this, man. It's a difficult time right now for everybody, but you know, this is life and it's a scary time right now, but I'm very thankful that, you know, right now we're, we're safe, we're happy, we're healthy and, and, um, hope I can help somebody else out in the situation the best that I can. But, um, with that being said, you know, life still does go on for us here as college basketball coaches. Uh, we're still doing a lot of recruiting, um, scheduling, you know, we gave our kids, um, workout stuff they can hopefully do within the confines that are home and um environment so you know life kind of goes on it's just kind of kind of a different path right now because of the COVID-19 situation um I'm just thinking college coach seems so relational I guess any coaching honestly right it's all about relationships and it is and it is. to have a relationship and even try to get new relationships while socially distancing What's that challenge been like to maintain relationships and get new ones? Well, you know, that's the challenge too, because, you know, generation Z, you know, these, these kids, they're so used to the Snapchat and the Instagram and the Twitter where they're just doing a lot of typing and texting. And sometimes it's a struggle with the actual old school, like what I like on the over the phone communication. So, <laughs> right. Now, it, like, since we can't do any visits because the NCAA, you know, obviously banned that for a while because of the COVID-19, we're, we only can do over-the-phone contact, you know, um, the virtual tours, the FaceTimes, you know, just communication. And it can be a struggle a little bit because, you know, for the some kids? of the Generation Z kids, they're not the best at that. They're not the most comfortable, gotcha. but it's what has to be done right now. You know, that's a... I hadn't even thought about that, but you see all the pictures of kids sitting next to each other on their phones, like talking to each other through the phone. And it's almost like that generation is like equipped to be socially distant and still feel connected. I know. I know. So what we've been doing right now is um, just a lot of virtual tours and um, where we can just basically, you know, get a kid on the phone and FaceTime them um, and just kind of show them what we can show them. Right. You know, and then just, you know, have those conversations and um, it's going to be unique because kids, they really can't take a visit for a while. So they're going to make their decision based upon, you know, the phone conversations, the the pictures you send them, the virtual tour, what you can show them, um, you know, just having that trust for what that coach is saying and, and the uh, relationship being just basically just, you know, being about trust and um, kind of like an old school tactic, but you know, there's gotta be, there's gonna be no official visits for, I would say the entire summer, which is probably the first time it's ever happened. Really? Yeah. So I'm completely unfamiliar with like a typical kid comes to like, how do you recruit a kid on the official visit? You're trying to get them to sign a letter of intent. It takes like five official visits. Well, no, the kids are allowed to take five visits, but basically, so, you know, you're recruiting a kid. You get them on an official visit. They can be on your campus for 48 hours, so two days. Okay. And while they're there, obviously you have your your own players there and their hosts, their tours. So you're showing the kid everything, kid and the family, um, everything that you guys have on your campus, the uh, the city. You know, they're meeting your president, your athletic director, um, your advisors. You know, all the important some of your uh, alumni. And obviously, they're, they're spending time with your players. You know, they're in a hotel, so they're kind of living 
the campus life for two days. So now that's all gone. You can't do that right now. So now basically what what we're doing is we're doing a virtual tours where I'll be on the campus by myself. It's kind of walking them around. You know, they can see (laughs) things through my phone. Um, I get my players to kind of hit them up like so they can talk, you know, through via text or whatever they do as far as kids. And then we're just kind of just, you know, doing that. So basically everything's the same except now you just you just can't come to our campus. We can't be in contact physically and I can't come see you. But everything else is pretty much the same. What, what impact do you think that has on the recruiting, the lack of proximity and physicality? I think it has, you know, I think a lot of kids are terrified about just what's going on in the world. Um, and they're scared to even like leave where they're at. Oh. So obviously we're in Delaware. We're recruiting a lot of kids from everywhere, from, from Texas to Florida, <laughs> you know, to Virginia. So I think some of the kids that are far away, they're like, man, I'm, I'm scared. Like, I like what you're saying. I like what you're doing at Delaware state, but like, I can't even come onto your campus right now. And I can't make my decision in August when this thing all clears up maybe. So that's the hard part for me is the kids from far away is, Hey, I can't come on your campus, but I like what you're showing me. So now it comes down to, okay, I like what I saw. I like what you're saying. You know, the players seem really nice. So they're going to make a decision without ever probably coming onto our campus. And I mean for the 2020 class and beyond. So we're almost done with our 2020 class. We have about two or three kids that left the sign. But I mean the 21 kids, the 22 kids, the 23 kids, they can't do anything right now either as far as campus visits. Okay. So it's just unique. I think it's harder for the 2020, the 2020 class that are unsigned because they're going through this. They can't go anywhere. The right. 21s and beyond this should be done by the time they're ready to do their official visits anyways. Yeah, hopefully. God, Lord willing. You would think so. Um, you would hope so. You're praying to God. So yeah. what, um, who are you as a recruiter, man? <laughs> do you, um, like, like, do you have a particular style or. Um, you know, I think I've changed over the years a little bit, you know, I'm kind of, you know, Gino kind of says it best, you know, it's harder for me to relate sometimes to some of these kids because I'm a, a 40 year old guy married with kids. And you know, these kids are 19, 18, 17, 20, whatever different generation. So, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to relate, I think. Um, but you know, I just keep it real from the heart. You know, um, I have a lot of visual stuff. I show them as far as here's our PowerPoint presentation of, you know, um, what we're doing, what our team look like, looks like, here's our academic philosophies. Here's, you know, um, how we practice here. I show them videos. So it's not so much of, of me, you know, um, selling me, it's more just, you know, what we have to offer here. I'll tell them what kind of coach I am. You know, I'm not the kind of coach that's going to be in your business 24 seven. You know, I'm not going to do the, the dorm curfew check myself. You know, I have a family, so, you know, I kind of keep it real with them. Um, you know, my staff is great. They're a little younger. They can relate a little more to the players, um, with them being females as well. So I rely on them a lot to do certain things. So I think my players like that about me. They know I'm not, you know, I'm a dude, I'm an old school kind of dude. I'm high energy dude, <laughs> but I'm not going to be in their business 24 seven. You know, I'll, I'm not going to be calling them 24 seven. You know, they know they can rely on me. They can count on me. They can check in with me. I check in, check in with them, but it's not going to be one of those relationships where we're constantly talking all day, you know? Gotcha. So, um, yeah, was some kids don't, some kids don't want that. Some kids want their head coach to constantly be calling them and texting them. That's not going to be me. You know, some, some players don't want that. So, you know, I think they know what they're getting with me when they, when they get me, but they also know, Hey, he's like, he's like a dad, 
you know, he's got my back, you know, he keeps it real with me. He coaches me hard. You know, he loves the program. He's dedicated to the program. You know, he's getting me better. You know, he's providing me with structure I need. So, you know, those are some, some of the kind of things that we talk about in recruiting. Yeah. I was, when you started talking about the presentation and the coaching style and like a practice format, I'm almost wondering in recruiting a basketball kid, how important is basketball versus like just the college life? I think it's all, that's a great question. I think it's all important. You know, I think you got to sell everything. You know, we try to sell the basketball piece, academic piece, social piece, you know, with us being a top HBCU, you know, the environment, especially with girls, man, like girls are different than guys. They, they, they're a little more cautious when it comes to, you know, picking a school where guys basically it's mostly about basketball and how many girls are on your campus. You know, <laughs> girls are a little different, man. They want to make sure that the dorm room is nice. You know, exactly how does your meal plan work? What kind of food? Like girls are a little more particular, a little more cautious. Yeah. So in our PowerPoint presentation, you know, when we speak, we cover every every important thing because they're all important with girls, man. Girls usually don't just pick a school based upon one thing. They want the whole the whole package. So, you know, you got to hit home with all those important things. And I think, I think we do. And I think Delaware state, we can offer a lot. I think the biggest thing that scares kids, especially kids from out of state, they're like, where is Delaware and what's in Delaware? <laughs> is you that, know, like that, that's, that's a real that's thing, biggest, right? That's the biggest battle. Yeah. Like you remember that from Wayne's world, Delaware. Hey, I'm in Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. Dude, you should yeah, throw, yeah. throw that clip in there, man. People will crack up. Like, that, when did that movie come out? Like mid nineties? Like it's been. Yeah, these kids would have no clue, and these kids would be like, "What? Okay. Wayne's World?" They yeah, would have yeah. no idea. But um, <laughs> and that's where us having the visits were huge because a lot of kids out of state were skeptical. Right. They liked what we sent them, and what we said. But they were like, "I gotta see this. I gotta come right. to your campus and, and come to Dover and see what this is all about." Dude, it's kind you of make a it sound great. You make it look great. I gotta come to campus, and now we can't do that. Yeah, and dude, but it's a great location because weekends you can get to Philly, New York, DC, Baltimore. You can get places real quick. You can also get real country real quick and go to the beach and hang out. You can, I mean, yeah. like the the food scene, the the um, entertainment scene. Like, there's a lot down here for kids who want to. I don't, it's like be mobile or be like, like get, go places. It's not like, and you're that's just what stuck. we tell them when we're like, and that's what we tell them and show them. And that's why we get them here. Cause like, wow, they, they, they're right in the capital city. The college is on the strip, the movie theater, the mall, the casino, every food joint is right there. Yeah. It's an HBCU. They're always doing activities, you know, the homecoming. So, and we have great pictures of show too so that's what i'm saying like we have kids across the country like wow like this sounds ridiculous this sounds great let me go visit now yeah so now we can't do the visit so we'll see how much that affects us like i said we're almost done with our 2020 class but we're on some really good grad transfers and some junior college transfers and right now the toughest thing is we can't get them to campus so we're working hard with the virtual tours and the communication you know, hopefully that, that's going to be enough to get some of these kids we want to come here. Yeah. It, so um, I started thinking about this virtual stuff and just fake news mentality and like believing people is so much about the feel you get when you are with them. Right. And I'm wondering about parents and their role in this. Have you noticed parents right. react in a certain way with all these virtuals? Well, I think parents, the number one thing is they're to worry about their kids, right? their safety, you know, and still right now, the biggest thing is every single kid in the country, college or high school is still taking classes online. So 
it's just finishing up strong schoolwork wise, adapting to the online system is every parent and kid's concern right now too, because it's difficult to do every class online because, you know, some of these teachers, they're old, they're old school. Yeah. And now they had to go online and there's, there's been some issues with that. So I think the parents and the kids, the biggest problem they have right now is making sure they finish strong online with the classes in this new, this new world of, of, you know, education. Gotcha. And then I think, again, the parents, again, you know, they want to come on campus. They want to meet you face to face. They want to sit down looking in the eye. They want to, you know, they want to do all that. But again, we can't do that. Yeah. So I think the virtual tour, you know, the FaceTime, you know, is still pretty good, still pretty effective. But now these kids are going to have to make a decision based upon, okay, listen, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is the way the world is. I can't go to their campus. So let's decide based upon what we saw. Right. Yeah. Just a huge amount of trust without, it it just makes you, it's really made me think about how much literal physical proximity helps trust. It does. But you know what else is big? I think when it comes down to it, you know, I can say all the right things. I can be honest. My staff can do that, but it comes down to getting your players talking to the kids, the recruits, because they're living the life, you know? So that's why I get my, you know, the players that I think who are the most, who communicate the best. Right. So reach out to our recruits and say, Hey, look, this is how it is here. You know, this is how coaches, this is how the system is, this is how the school is. And I think that's like a big selling piece because though they're around each other 24 seven, the players. Right. So I think if our players do a good job on the phone with these kids and FaceTime and that makes everyone feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I've always heard that for girls compared to boys basketball wise, the relationships on the team are like make or break. Yeah, it is. Cause you know, girl, <laughs> girls are girls, man. They, right. they, um, they can be a little, you know, petty at times and dramatic yeah, and guys can too, but it's so important to put together a team of, of girls, um, where the dynamic is a positive one and, right. um, they're connected and you know, that's my job too in recruiting. Like we find a player that we like, we got to make sure their personality and their work ethic is going to blend in with our, you know, returning players. So Do you know, that's have... important. You know, the girls before they even care, my girls, they don't they they care about how good our girls are recruiting, but they want to know, hey, coach, is she a cool girl? Is she nice? You know, is she supportive? Is right. she dramatic? Like they want to. They don't want anybody in our circle that's going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you um gotten or gone down the like the whole psychological analysis rabbit hole? <laughs> where like you give kids a like a, a personality test online to see like what kind of kid they are no i mean i'm ne- not so that's you know i have my list of questions that i think are important that i ask but i don't i don't give them any kind of like psychological test oh, i probably they probably scratch me off the list if i did that probably, this coach is crazy. <laughs> well i was talking that's to a great him. idea but they were probably like what what is this right. coach trying to do he, he's not he's no psychologist right well i was um, talking to somebody on one of the other pods and one of his jobs was um like a job hunter and his niche was he gave people psychological tests to see if they would actually enjoy the job, like what job fit them. And I never thought about that before, but that's kind of important, right? Like you're saying that whole fit um, psychologically, there's so much going on in people's minds, personality yeah. that you want to fit in. Well, I think that's that's where the conversation on the phone, like if I feel like a kid on the phone is kind of rude or um, standoffish or um, just not really social on the phone, like right there. I'm like, eh, I can tell you right now, eh, probably not a good fit. Right. Like I'm big on yes, sir. No, sir. 
you know, just a grateful kid, um, a kid who can answer questions, ask questions. So just like having a, like we're talking right now, like if I don't feel good about the conversation, I'm like, uh, probably not going to be my kind of kid. So a lot comes down to social skills and the conversation we have. So that's kind of my test right there. Like if I feel, oh man, this kid is a 20-20 kid. She can get us 20 points, 20 rebounds. But the conversation we had, which is not very good, you know, she was kind of rude or she didn't answer questions or, you know, she wasn't paying attention. Like, ah, not a good fit. Gotcha. And because you, you, you see those traits and you're thinking, man, four years of this in practice and in games, is that where right. that goes? Yeah, I'm thinking that or I'm, oh, she might not get along with my players and it might cause drama, which I don't want to deal with. Now, listen, some kids are just very quiet on the phone. And right. I understand that. Yeah, we get cool. some other kids and I'm like, oh, my God, this kid has like no manners, no social skills. But they'll text me, you know, a whole encyclopedia stuff. But then you get them on the phone. They say one word. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, your social skills are not very good. I, I don't know. You know, it's just it's. Just, you got to take a risk sometimes too, but I try not to make a decision off of one conversation. I try to have, you know, a handful, have my staff call these kids and the players. Then we kind of all meet back and say, what did you guys think about this kid over the phone? How do you think your personality is? And then make a decision. I I don't think I've ever offered a kid or scratched them off my list after this one conversation. How aware do you think a kid who's good enough to get recruited is aware of all that goes into recruiting. Like, do you think I they, say, they think l- it's less just than about half, ball? man? Really? Yeah. Cause they're just not educated. They don't get it, man. They really don't. I think honestly, the biggest thing Sean, is parents. I think the parents today are, are not good. The parenting skills are shitty and holding kids accountable and supporting just, kids. Yeah. Preparing them for stuff like this. I think they get coddled too much. You know, um, they just, the parents are a problem. You know, I think parents are, are just, they don't, and especially sports parents, they just don't, they don't educate their kids. They're not knowledgeable of the recruiting process. Um, or they try to get involved too much or too little. It's just not a really, not a lot of parents that are just, just involved just right where they're involved enough where they're helping their kid out, but they're not overly involved, but they're, they're training their kids how to be social, how to be polite, just a lot of bad parents out there, man, to be honest. Parents are the problem. Yeah, that's I, – I've spoken to a couple other people and we kind of make fun of the typical like youth parent who at like six, seven years old is just going nuts or they coach right. and they coach their kid and the team becomes all about their kid. Yeah, um, that's true, man. Yeah, so that's true. What, how could parents, if you were talking to them, if say a parent listens to this, what would be the best <sighs> thing that a parent could do to just support their kid the right way? Well, number one, just make sure that they're communicating well, you know, make sure they're not, you know, just, just texting and, and they're on Instagram all day. Make sure they're reading books, make sure they're actually making phone calls and speaking, you know, just make <laughs> like sure dinner they're, time. Dinner they're time saying dinner please and thank you, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Or, you know, just, just being polite, you know, having a list of questions, being prepared. This is a big decision. Um, you know, just the basic stuff. And then, and then not getting overly involved too. I think it's just, you know, give them your information, give them, you know, what you think is right and then let them make their decision. I think some parents are just either they're not involved enough or they're, or they're too involved. Yeah. I'm wondering the helicopter what is, parents. Yeah. What does that come across as a helicopter parent in the recruiting process? Uh, 
and, and if you don't, yeah, if, if you don't want to step on any toes, man, I get it. Um, anytime I ask a question, feel free to say next question. <laughs> no, I think, um, and I get it cause you love your kids and it's a big decision. Right. I get it. Um, but it can scare coaches away because what we see is, okay, you're over the top right now in the process. How are you going to be if I have your kid? You're going to mm. call me every day, at, you know, hey, duh, duh, duh. like, are you going to call me all throughout her four years at college? Because, you know, now she's a young adult. So now I deal with my players. I don't call parents, you know, with any issues unless their kid's sick. Right. Every issue they had academically or on the court, that's between me and the kid. But if I see you're a helicopter parent, a parent, I can probably see what's coming. Like you're the kind of parent who's going to call me anytime there's an issue with playing time or this or that. You're going to try to call me 24-7 and I ain't doing that. So in the recruiting That's process, what I see when I see a helicopter parent. Got you. So it's somebody who's – most of their questions are all about, so is my kid going to average 12 shots a game and 28 minutes a game or – and, and they Wait, why is my kid not playing? You know, she's better than Sally and, and Jenny. You know, I don't get it. You know, that kind of parent who, you know, just going to constantly call the coach because their kid is so, you know, they're so used to their parent doing all their stuff for them. Gotcha. And it just becomes like, you know, this is not, this is not middle school basketball. This is college basketball. You know, I'm going to deal with your young lady, your daughter, not you. If your daughter's sick, there's a major problem. I'm going to call you. Otherwise it's between me and her. Gotcha. What's um some misconception or like a um something that would like snare or mess someone up in being recruited that they might not realize? Their social media pages. Really? You know, it's you that, go. Oh god, that important? Yeah. Huh? How so? Like, you know, I'll recruit a, I'll recruit a kid. And I'll hop on her. You know, I'll look to see if she got a Twitter or Facebook. You know, they don't have Facebook these days. These kids are all on the uh, you know the Instagram and the Snapchat. So sometimes you can find them and you can find their pages and you see all kinds of profanity and just immaturity and just stupid stuff. And then right there, I'm like, you know what, man, I don't, I don't know about this kid. Like real right off the bat, I'll judge a kid basically sometimes with the content of our social media page. And what, um, that, that kills them. So the, cause you're thinking if they're, po- what are you thinking when you see those posts or why does that affect it? I should say. It's immaturity really immature, um, unprofessional, not focused, you know, just priorities aren't in check. Why are you spending all your time on social media? Why aren't you working out, doing your schoolwork? I mean, you'll see some, some kids who are literally posting stuff all day. How do you have the time to do that? Like, and don't you have schoolwork to do? Why dude, don't you start working pre, out? Yeah, that's pre-lockdown. <laughs> and they'll be posting dramatic stuff like, oh, I can't, like, they'll, they'll put all their feelings and emotion into a tweet. It's just too much drama. You know, I tell my kids, your social media page should be for two things. For professionalism, like you're posting about your team or something important, or you're not even on there. Like you shouldn't even be – you don't have to post stuff every day. It's not a rule. You have to post something on social media. Either don't be on there at all or post stuff that's professional about your program that you're you're playing at or something important. Otherwise, don't even be on there. Huh. So – Almost like, man, if a kid is serious about trying to be recruited in college, like middle school, high school, just make a new social media page that's marketing yourself. That's what I tell my kids. Yep. But do they listen? They'll try to get a secret account, you know, where they can just do what they (laughs) want to do and and just do the silly stuff. I mean, that's just, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. But, um, you know, to me, it's like, 
when I try to get you overseas after you're done, like these overseas agents are doing the same thing. Okay. They're trying to see what you're posting on your page. If oh you look God. like you're immature, negative, dramatic, they'll pass on you. Dude, I didn't so, even think like, about make that. that page professional. Like it's, it's a way of showcase. You're not like, it's an interview. Right. That's the way I put it. Like you, you have a chance to market yourself in a positive way on that page. If you don't, it could cost you a contract or a scholarship. Dude, I didn't even think about that. The whole like, cause, and it might be a little biased on my part as far as like professional female basketball players, but your part of your thing is getting girls jobs in basketball after, huh? Right. Exactly. Dude, I didn't so, even you think know, about that. A lot of my kids, when they're done playing, they want to play overseas. So, you know, my job is to get them, you know, looks and, and potential offers. And then once their name goes to this company or this agency, they will now watch their highlight tape. But okay, the kick and play. And then they'll kind of look at their social media stuff. And if it looks like this kid could be a problem, they'll probably say, hey, coach, I'm going to take a pass on that kid. Wow. Do, yeah. you, do you have like a particular connection to a country or a league? Uh, I have a couple feel agents fond? that I work with that are connected through I – I have an agent out of California who's connected very heavily with um, pretty much every country that has – you know, strong basketball overseas. So basically what I'll do is I'll say, Hey, look, Jay, you'll like my kid, Najee Pollard. And then, okay, send me some film on her. So I'll send film stats, stuff like that. And then if he likes her, he showcases all that to all of his people, all these coaches, you know, in, in Ireland or Switzerland, Italy, Russia. So that's kind of how it works. How do the girls take the overseas thing? They see it as a great trip, great experience. Or are they just trying to jump on and take the most money? Um, like what's important to them? Well, I think, you know, every girl, not every girl, but a lot of girls, they say, Hey, I want to play overseas, make money. Okay. That sounds good. But are you ready to live in Russia? Are you ready to move to Italy, Ireland, Spain, where now you're on a team where everyone speaks a different language and now you're the outsider and now the food's different. The lifestyle's different. So are you really ready and willing to do that? So I think that's the first thing, like understand, like oh, you're about to be out of the country. How much do you love basketball? Right. So I think once you put that in perspective, some kids like, you know what, coach, you're right. I can't, I probably can't live in a foreign country. So um, lay that, I got to lay that out there for the kids. Like you got to make sure you want to do this because if you go out there and then you get homesick in two months, they send you back home. That's the last time anyone will take a chance on you overseas oh it's that dire huh if you wig out yeah, and you're done, it's over yeah and it happens a lot these kids all say they want to play overseas and make that money but once they get over in another country you get a call in a week oh i'm homesick i can't eat the food i i that kind of stuff so it, i mean i get it like it's yeah. not for everybody so making sure it's clear like this is going to be a different world for you yeah you play basketball all day and yeah you're making some money but the rest of the lifestyle is going to be different and hard. You're going to be by yourself pretty much with maybe maybe one American on your team, but the rest is going to be the kids from that country. So it's a different dynamic. You know, my first year at Dell State, you know, Najee Pollard, who was a player of the year in the MEAC, you know, she was getting a lot of offers. And she's over in Switzerland right now, and she loves it. You know, she was like, hey, coach, I understand it's going to be different, but I'm ready for that. I love basketball. Um, I can adapt to different cultures, and I think I like she, – and she's a loner. So she doesn't mind kind of being over there by herself gotcha. where other kids I've had, like, I want to play basketball, but I'm not trying to go to a different country and do it. Cause I'll be homesick. Right. How good is the money? 
it depends what level you're at. So if you're like, you know, Diana Taurasi, you know, Skylar Diggins, because, you know, they play overseas in the offseason. So yeah, they're right. making six figures over in Russia. But a kid like, you know, my kid, Najee Pollard, who was the player of the year in the MEAC, you know, you have to kind of show your worth. So mo- there's like three levels out there in overseas. And basically the second and third level, you're making, you know, maybe a thousand, two thousand tops a month, oh, wow. which is not bad, but it's not a ton of money. But you are also getting some perks. You're getting, you know, you're getting free insurance, free um, health and medical insurance. You're getting free transportation and free housing. So it's not bad. Oh, okay. Um, but if you get to that top level, you can make anywhere from four to $8,000 a month and you're pocketing most of that money because most of your expenses are paid for. Gotcha. That makes sense. It's almost like, uh, joining the military where you get your check, but your food and your, uh, room, your room and board are, uh, taken care of for you. Pretty much. So basically overseas, all you're paying for is, you know, your cell phone bill. And, you know, if you want to go shopping, buy clothes, but they take care of transportation, housing, uh, most of your food, like team meals. So yeah, you get to pocket most of that money, which gotcha. is a good deal. Why do you think they choose to go um, overseas versus um, an, like an alternative career? Like say, get into coaching if you love basketball or teaching. Well, I think a lot of girls, they still want to play, you know, there's 22, 23, their body is, is still in pretty good shape. They want to keep playing and they want to get paid to play. Um, a lot of kids don't like, like you said, they're done. They're ready to do something different, but I'll tell you what, and that's the thing too. Getting into coaching is hard. It's, it's, you know, there's only 351 division one jobs in the country. So it's hard to get a division one spot, um, let alone division two, II, division three, AIA, JUCO. It's hard to get a coaching job that's full time that pays where it pays the bills. Right. So, you know, um, I think a lot of the kids when they're done, you know, with their careers, they're open minded to anything. You know, they just want to see what my options are. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I think most you know, would. it's hard to get a coaching job. It's really hard to get a full time coaching job, especially now with the pandemic going on. There's not many openings. Yeah, right. Jesus. I didn't even think about that too. That's actually, so you got a little job security then. I know you guys had a great season. You probably didn't need the job security, but (laughs) the pandemic might actually be helping dudes or helping people keep their jobs and coaching. Yeah. Some people, you know, like, um, you know, my contract, I'm pretty early in the contract because I got the job late. So basically last year was my first year at Dell State. You know, I was there. I got the job in 2018, 19, but I got the job in September. So I walked into you know, a tough situation, not my recruits. Um, so basically my first full year was this previous season where I had 12 of my new kids and, you know, we had the most wins since 2008, you know, we were eight, eight in the MEAC, which, you know, still upsets me because we were actually seven and two at one point and then we had some injuries. So, you know, we made a lot of improvement in our first year, but, you know, our goal is to win the MEAC and get to the NCAA tournament. Um, and we're on the right track to do that. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of other coaches that, you know, their contracts were over and some of the universities are going to extend it for years because of the situation going on in the world. Well, it, I, I hadn't thought about that. You get hired late and you walk into a gym full of kids that um, are not your recruits. What's that? Are they open to you? Are they hoping to build a relationship with you? Or are they just pissed that the guy who, or the person who recruited them is gone? No, I think, you know, I, I walked into it. Hey, these are my kids now, you know, I, they weren't my recruits per se, as far as what I would look for, as far as maybe the talent, skill, you know, um, personality piece. But, you know, they were my responsibility. Okay, these are my kids now. I didn't recruit them, but they're my kids now. So I went there like, hey, everyone's on a clean slate. 
you know, I think I think most kids are the same way. They, they just want to be accepted. They want to you know, be given a fair chance. Gotcha. So I think we all walked in there, you know, no, we started off pretty good. You know, we, we got along really well and we were working hard. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't fit the division one mold of, of a college athlete or, you know, someone doesn't fit the criteria of what's needed to win at that level, you know, we got to make a change. So I think everyone was fair in the process as far as, you know, the staff and the players, but at the end of the day, you have to win games. And I thought we, we, we needed to upgrade our talent, um, our speed, athleticism, skill, height, you know, all that stuff like that. So I think, you know, after that first year, we had to make changes just because, you know, we had to win more games. So um, that's kind of went where it went. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I was wondering from a kid's perspective, it'd be interesting to hear how they took it where, you know, at some point they'll think that coach has a favorite or whatever. So a new coach coming in, it's almost like, everybody's on this same level, I can maybe grab some more minutes or I could even change the way someone sees me as instead of just a rebounder, I'm actually a scorer or whatever, you know, those predefined roles that they might think they were fit into. Um, Right. Right. Well, you know, I think um, the kids I inherited, they, they work, they worked hard for me. They worked hard. Um, But like I said, again, you know, um, you know, I got paid to, to do a job and part of that job is to win basketball games and put together the best roster I can. So, you know, after that first year, we had to make some changes with our roster and we kind of started from ground zero. We brought 12 new kids in, which is unheard of yeah, at I was Division gonna, One. I was going to say, that, that seems like a lot. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's junior college right there, man. You know, the Juco life, you're getting sometimes 10, 11, 12 kids. But at Division One, you never see that. So my AD understood, hey, look, this is what we got to do. We're on the same page and, you know, we, we to bring in 12 new kids and we couldn't get them till September of this past September because we couldn't fund the summer school money um, oh. at that time. So we started at ground zero with 12 new kids in September for division one. That's unheard of. Right. So for us to do what we did with that group was, was pretty damn good because most, most teams we were playing against, those kids were there for two, three, even four years together. Yeah. So we had four months together as a brand new team and we were pretty competitive, man. So I was proud of that group. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, man, I, I had no idea. I, I'd um, been following you on Twitter. So I was kind of like seeing the updates of the record. I would never would have guessed that 12 kids in a couple months, man, trying to get chemistry to win. That has to, that has to be such a huge deal in college kids who know your system and like, it takes Absolutely. whatever a year to learn it a year to get comfortable and now a year to dominate. Right. Like, right. That's like, if I, I told my girls, if you guys were all together for three years, like most division one schools, four years, you guys have won the championship. Like I think that team was that good. Um, when we get 10, we get 10 of those kids back. We lost two good ones, but we get the, you know, most of those kids back. But if those 12 particular kids, were together for like three or four years, I mean, they would have won a MEAC championship in my opinion, for yeah. sure. Man. Um, and I hadn't thought about, yeah, the cons- it's amazing what consistency can do, especially in sports. Well, I guess a lot like family too. You know, like if your father and your mother are always in your life, it just makes you a better person. If you're constantly Absolutely. around each other with guys. And the training, the physical training, this you know, strength training, weight training, you know, all that stuff's huge. And they had like zero time together to do any of that stuff in the summer or anything. So yeah. it was tough, man. No doubt. But they were tough kids, man. They, they battled, they worked hard. You know, again, at one point we were seven and two in the MEAC, you know, um, which is the best it's been in like 20 years. Right. And then we had some injuries, some things happened. And then we had a little downfall. We finished eight and eight in the conference, which was still the best record we've had in 12 years. 
Um, but again, that crew, man, they worked so hard for me last year. I was really proud of them. Yeah, there's not much more as a coach you can ask for from a kid to just have good attitudes and work hard. Like absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so it's it's funny, man, because uh, I I I know I learned a lot of great insight as far as um recruiting on a D1 level that I would not have thought of. But it is called the Getting to Know You Pod, and um, like to know a little bit about you as far as stuff you want to share about you. Like I see you're rocking a Brooklyn Nets. Is that are are you from Brooklyn? <laughs> is that... No, I like the sweatshirt. That was it. Okay. My wife bought it for me. I like the sweatshirt. But uh, no, I mean I'm a um, I'm a Northeast guy, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, um, I'm kind of shy when it comes to talking about myself. I'm kind of humble. I don't, I don't like to get into my resume and stuff like that. But I've been doing this for 20 years, um, about 20 years, and I've coached at the junior college level. Um, division one level, division two level. I've been an assistant coach, head coach. So this is all I've been doing for the last 20 years, you know, so I love what I do. And um, I've been to, you know, different parts of the country coaching, you know, it's taken me all over the place. So um, very grateful as far as that, you know, I love the game. I'm I'm a big X and O's guy. I love X and O's. Um, I love player development. I love watching the film. I love scheming, you know, um, that part's addictive to me, you know? Um, but the job's hard, man. Like that's about 10% of the job. The rest is, you know, um, managing your program, which can be pretty, pretty challenging and, and draining, but I love this profession. Um, I love my family. I have a five-year-old son sitting outside right now, hanging out, getting a little bit of sun. Um, you know, um, I'm a pretty simple guy. <laughs> Simplicity is usually the best thing. Yeah, I mean, people who watch me coach, and I think my players will tell you, man, he's he can be crazy. He's high energy. He's passionate, and that's when it comes to the basketball piece. But you know, at home, and you know, when I'm on the streets with my friends, I'm a pretty quiet, casual, you know, uh, normal guy. So why the switch then? Well, because this is who I am. I'm, you know, basketball is not who I am. Um, you know, it's just what I do. Um, I'm very passionate about the game. I love it. You know. Um, is it just like, like you get competitive and it just yeah, starts burning up? Spirit. Yeah, my competitive spirit, my competitive drive. I love to win. I love to see development. You know, I, I, I love um, I love my players. I like to see them get better. So, you know, I just bring a lot of passion and energy and enthusiasm and intensity every day. Um, Where do you think it comes from? Is- like, was your family growing up a pretty, like you grew up with a bunch of brothers where you're fighting to get that last piece of food on the plate kind of a thing? Or... No, I think uh, I think my dad. I think it's just kind of instilled from my dad. He's an Italian guy. He's just very passionate, um, very intense. Kind of like that's the way he was raising me. And um, I've always been a sports guy, so I love to win. And I've always been a pretty hard worker when it comes to sports. So I think that's just you know when it comes to coaching basketball and, and the sports, I'm just super competitive. I think you know everything else. I'm kind of like eh, kind of casual about. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Huh. I need to be because, you know, I, it's just, you know, because coaching basketball can kind of drain you a little bit because you're so, in, you know, so involved, so passionate. Yeah, the investment. You got to have a release, man. I think, you know, once I'm outside of that court, you know, I kind of just, you know, calm it down and relax and, you know, focus on um, the other important things in my life. Yeah, I'm almost wondering just relieving that pressure to win has to be so relaxing to come home. It's not like you have to win dinner with your son by having him eat what 12 carrots. And you're like, carrots. we we can get through these last two carrots, boy. Go, go, lunch. You know, like it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I hadn't thought about put, that. Man. 
great way to put it. You got to have a release and at home is my release and, or just being by myself sitting outside, getting some sun or, you know, taking a walk, you know, you need that man, you need that balance. Otherwise you see these coaches, they're stressed out, you know, they're in their sixties, you know, having heart attacks. I, I don't want to be that coach. No doubt. Do you have, um, is it so consuming that you can't really have any hobbies or do you get some time to have like, like you're a, a weird, like, I don't know what would a weird hobby be like that you knit or that you make like furniture. <laughs> no, I think it's important that you do that. And a lot of coaches don't. And I, and I wasn't that way. My whole life was coaching. Like even when I'm at home, I'm doing recruiting and making phone calls, you know, watching video nonstop. And I'm still like that, but now I make sure I make time for my son and my family and Hey, let's just get outside and sit and, and reflect and, you know, um, pray and just, just have a little more balance. So I've been a little better as far as having that balance because you need to have that balance. And a lot of coaches, they don't and they get burnt out or sick or right. divorced. And, you know, it's, it's hard. To, it's, it's an addictive profession. And like you said, if you don't win, you get fired, you're on a contract. So that can just put a lot of stress into a coach's life. Yeah. So family would be your hobby, huh? What are some cool, Absolutely. what are some cool tricks uh, you've taught your fives a fun age for especially boys, man. Um, he asked, uh, is he like a daredevil kid? Is he a sneak up and punch you in the back and run away kind of kid? <laughs> or is he uh, more he's, mellow? He's a really smart kid. Like his mom, he's very intellectual, very, very smart, you know, um, you know, he likes sports, but he likes to read and, and do different things, which is great. You know, I was always just a sports kid, but you know, this kid right here is, you know, he knows all 50 presidents, you know, where they uh, were. Oh, there's not 50 presidents. Oh, 45. You just see, correct me Wow, right there. look at that. Exactly. <laughs> yep, he's, he's a lot smarter than me, man. He knows everything. He knows planets. He knows the five dwarf planets, right? Yep. What are the five dwarf planets? Omega, Maki Maki, Eris, Ceres, and Pluto. Oh, my see God. See what I mean? Dude. Dude, I'm I'm trying to wonder what percent of the population would do that. Exactly, because I have no clue. I had no clue what those were, but he does. So just uh, being around him, watching what he does and trying to teach him certain things. But he teaches me stuff, man. So yeah. it's just so fun to be around him. Dude, and and it's and if you're an energetic dude, I can't imagine the, the natural energy that comes from having kids that age coupled with the natural energy you have has to be just bonkers. Yeah, it's pretty fun. We have a lot of fun together, right, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, he's a good boy, man. He's a really good boy. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Anything else as far as like the basketball stuff, um, huh? recruiting, you know? Um, yeah, I almost, I, I man. Scheduling I, or, you know, uh, the future as far as that stuff. Yeah, so here's something that might be a little interesting to me because I'm, I'm actually in Delaware. I'm in Southern Delaware and I coach middle school basketball boys. Um, okay, awesome. And a lot of kids, you know, have that, man, I want to go to college thing. So it was interesting to me talking about the social media and the work ethic, what would a kid, as far as like, what is a good practice? How would a kid know they're with a, a solid coach that's practicing the right way and helping them? That's a misconception too. Like, oh. I'm glad you brought that up. That's why I try to invite every kid to a practice to come watch how we practice. And, you know, I, I, I'm pretty confident to say when you come watch Delaware State women's basketball practice, you're going to see intensity a very fast pace very legally physical play not much standing around like no waste of time i think when i watch a lot of practices in high school you just see a lot of standing around jogging walking just waste of time right. you know, lack of intensity lack of focus and i think if you come watch us practice you won't see those things 
you'll see mistakes being made. You'll see missed layups at times. You'll yeah. see, you know, kids making mistakes, but you won't see a lot of wasted time. Um, slow paced stuff. You'll see just a high level practice, man. And I think that's important. You don't see it in high school. A lot. I think a lot, a lot of kids are not prepared as far as that goes. It has been kind of just, you know, if they're a really good player, they kind of coast it. Right. And I think sometimes they walk into a spot like my spot and they're not ready for the intensity level, you know, the speed, the physicality, you know, the um, execution that's, you know, I, I'm very demanding as far as executing stuff. And that is something I, I look for a lot in practices in high school. And I don't see it a lot. Yeah. Um. How much is like drill work during the practice or is that more on your level? Like, it, I guess individual skill work, does that happen at a different time or you try to give like a half hour of it and then we go five on five or we do three on threes? Like how does a – is there a typical practice breakdown like that? Yeah, and I think it's so important that at all levels you're teaching skill work. Um, and skill work can be – obviously it's, it's you know, one on zero, two on zero, up to five on zero, but also versus bodies. That's important. But, you know, you got your skill work sessions and you're, you're doing your defensive work, your offensive work. I think it's all important. You know, another problem is a lot of coaches sometimes they don't have a group of kids that can play man to man and they just play zone for four years. And then the kid comes to college to a team that plays all man to man and they have no idea what they're doing. So, you know, that's a problem with us, too, as as college coaches trying to find kids who are prepared as far as doing the skill work. But also they're prepared to play man to man or, you know, run a system offensively that, you know, that has multiple steps to it. So I think all that stuff's important. You know, I think um, that's why it's important, I think, for high school coaches to bring their kids and their teams to college practices if they can. Oh, and that's just something that can happen. They just like email the college coach and they say, hey, man, we want to come up and check it out. Absolutely. Even oh, for us, you no know, way. like I, I emailed Gino or Emma and, and I, I want to go watch them practice because they're the best in the country in my opinion, still as far as, you know, having a team that's just, just disciplined and structured. So I think we all want to get better. We want to watch the high, the highest level of practice. So I think as a high school coach, I would reach out to coaches in our area and say, Hey, look, I'll come. I'd love to come and watch your practice. Can I come? And sure. Absolutely. So if you email me, you know, Hey coach, can I come watch you guys practice? No doubt about it. Whenever you want to come, let me know. And you're free to come. Man, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Have um, any local people or coaches taking you up on that? Absolutely. I would say probably between five and 10 coaches have done that and they brought their whole team to practice or they come by themselves as a coach right. and just kind of take notes. Yeah. For the expectation, man. Absolutely. And I think, man, if you're coaching, are you coaching boys or girls? Oh, me boys. Boys. Okay. Yeah, boys, middle school though. It's pretty low I think level. it's good to go watch both, you know, maybe go watch our men's team practice because you know, you're coaching guys, but then going to watch a girls practice. I think what you'll see a lot is girls. If you have a good group of girls, like they're a little more focused and humble than some guys are. So you'll see a more structured girls practice sometimes in a guy's practice. You know, I think our girls are, I think our girls work hard, man. And they're really structured. Where obviously we can't do some of the things that guys do like play above the rim and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But I think, Sometimes the girls' practices are just a little more structured and 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 disciplined and focused because sometimes girls just listen a little more than guys do. Dude, I was actually about to ask that when you were talking about the intensity, and I almost wonder: does the intensity go down for people because men- mentally they're not used to being locked in for two hours 
changing up every five, 10 minutes with a new focus and then remembering and applying and allowing things to be built. Like I wonder, and that's hard for every kid and every adult. We all have an ADD, you know, span, man. So I think that's, that's tough for all of us. But again, I think when you have girls that trust in you and once you tell, once, once they see, you know what you're talking about and they believe in you and you believe in them, like they work their asses off and same for guys too. The same goes for guys. But again, I think girls are a little more humble and they're a little more team oriented. I think it's more of a team game. So I, if you can watch a really good women's team practice, I think you'll get a lot out of that. So I recommend you come watch this practice, man. I think our, our girls are, they're pretty tough, man. They work hard. I coach them like guys, right? You know, I don't, you know, I don't cuss them out like I would a dude, but <laughs> I, I coach them hard, man. So I think, you know, we, we're very structured. Our girls go really hard and, and they, they really pay attention for the most part. You know, I think, um, I think it's fun to watch. So give me this in a hypothetical, if you were able, how do I even word it? So uh, high school practice, that's two hours. What advice as far as breakdown, hey man, do 30 minutes of individual, do 20 minutes of offensive, do 30 minutes of a defensive, go half hour, five on five. Do you kind of have a coaching template or template that a high school coach could hear and um, help organize themselves better? Yeah, I really think you basically hit on the nose right there. You try to balance all that stuff in the beginning. You know, you try to work all those pieces, the skill work, you know, your offensive stuff you want to put in you know, your defensive stuff. Um, and then, you know, I think it's important to do scrimmaging stuff at the end. You know, I think it's important for those kids to play five on five, to learn each other, you know, to get in, you know, the conditioning piece in, that's all important. I think then as you go throughout the season, you know, certain days, you know, you might say, Hey, you know, today more, today's more of a defensive day. Right. You, know, you kind of, you gotta get a feel for your team and, and, and what they need to get better at. But those things are all important in the beginning, especially. And then I, I think as you go, you kind of gauge, you know, where you're struggling and what you got to work on more. And then certain days you're just kind of doing more stuff as far as that goes. Um, you know, I'm kind of a day-to-day guy, you know, you right. kind of sc- you can script all you want, but sometimes that gets thrown out the window, man. You kind of got to go do things day by day. I'm kind of yeah. a day by day guy. You know what I want to do based upon how yesterday went. Right. Yeah. You identify whatever weakness is and you just try to correct it. Um, Right. So what we try to cover, I, I would say every day, we're pretty much covering as much as we can in all elements. Right. Yeah. That's, that's all important, man. Yeah. And I, it's fun just talking to middle school kids. Um, you know, I'll have to go pick them up for practice and, uh, on the ride in, they'll be like, coach, how many drills we got today before we scrimmage? <laughs> right. And like, it, it's funny, like, and it's nice when the kids realize they got to actually try to do drills and breakdowns before they get to go five on five. But for kids, it seems like it's all about five on five. It, that's the problem. And that's why the international kids, that's why there's so many great international guys in the NBA that you see, like, what's the guy on the, the Mavericks? Oh, don't you? you know, guys like that, yeah. they're so skilled. They can shoot, they can pass, they can dribble. If they're 5'11 or 6'11, like, they're so skilled, yeah. where a lot of Americans are not skilled. And that's part of the problem is our AAU system is you play six games in a weekend and you practice once a week yeah. where overseas those kids are practicing six times a week and playing one game right there's a difference and that's why those guys are, are more skilled as opposed to americans and that's where we're lacking because it's just all about games and not about skill work and getting better and that's a problem we have in our country today with with our kids are not skilled their iq is a little low but we're athletic as crap yeah right. but that's where we're lacking yeah well they're trying to like win the moment versus like invest 
they, they, they see it exactly. as a, I, I want to grab a tournament trophy in sixth grade versus if I put this time in, in sixth grade, I can get a scholarship come 12th grade. And, and that's where the parent, like I said, the parenting comes in the coaching, like, okay, we have to instruct our kids. They're kids. They don't know anything about anything. Yeah. So it's our job as coaches and parents to teach these kids. And the AU system is just, it's all backwards. Now, most of the programs are, are backwards. There's some great programs where they're practicing three or four times a week and the kids are getting better skill wise. There's other programs where they all they do is play games. They'll have kids from different states, you know, that play for different teams. They'll just come on the weekend and play in yeah, a game. Yeah, right. They I'm just like, show up. This way the, the name gets recognized. Exactly. And those kids are not ready for college. Where do you so, – uh, I'm interested. Where do you stand on uh, the multi-sport athlete? Because there seems to be a whole lot of specialization happening where parents feel this pressure of like you got to be travel ball soccer guy and that's all you're doing. We can't have you play lacrosse as well or baseball as well. See, that's a great question. I think as a young kid, I think kids all the way up through high school, it's so important to play as many sports as you can. I think that's great. I think once you get to high school and you kind of figured out, okay, look, I'm good at this sport and this sport, you know, this is when you got to start to cut it down. You know, like if you're, if you can identify by the time you're a freshman, Hey, look, I think the only sport I can probably play college in is basketball. I think you should make that your sole sport. That's my opinion. But I'm, I'm pro play as much sports as you can until you get to your high school career. Okay. And at that point now, you got to really – got to hone in on one, two max that you're good at. I mean you can't be playing three or four sports in high school. I, I think that kind of hurts you a little bit. I, I'm more of two max. Maybe if you're a great basketball player, maybe you're also doing track. Right. You know, um, but I think if you're doing three – are more in high school. That's just, that's just too many to hone on one to get to get great at one sport. Yeah. Cause then you almost default to your athleticism versus the technique. Absolutely. And then you're losing. Okay. So, you know, when basketball season's over, instead of working on your basketball skills, you're playing a different sport and you don't get better, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was the kind of kid, you know, I was, I was a pretty good player uh, basketball wise. I played every sport up till high school. And then I cut it down to just two sports. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that was tennis and golf. If I could go back in time, I would set it. I was, I would just do it to one sport, but you know, I think sometimes I, I I'm, I, I like the whole track piece. I think doing track maybe, you know, in the off season, it's pretty good for conditioning if you're a basketball player or, or a football player. But you know, if you're playing football, baseball and basketball, man, like whew, I'm not sure that's the best idea, but some kids are so talented they can do it. But right. I'm more of a, a one sport, two sport tops kind of guy, kind of guy. Once you establish uh, and you identify what your top sport is. Do you um, have any, oh, I'm sure you have some knowledge of it, but do you mess with lacrosse at all? I don't, but my nephews play and it's a great sport. I really, I've learned because when I, when I was playing in high school, like lacrosse was even in existence yet. You know, right. I was playing in the, in the eighties and nineties. It wasn't even, it was like ancient yeah. uh, or in, it wasn't even a sport really on, on the scene, but now it's huge. And my nephews play it and I watch it and I'm like, wow, that's a cool sport. Dude, I so like lacrosse. It's the conditioning piece, the hand-eye coordination, you know, I think it's a cool sport. The more I learn about it and we've had a little push down here of trying to get our basketball kids into lacrosse because you, you play man, you have zone concepts, you attack gaps, you know, it's very team oriented and the, the, it's way less I'm going to die risk compared to football, <laughs> but you still get that physicality that dudes kind of seek. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah, kind of, I think it's a cool sport. Yeah. It's I'm, a cool sport. I'm, I'm just wondering like if more, if that's kind of a, a good segue for kids after basketball season, man, go ahead, get into lacrosse, get some physicality, apply some of these concepts that you just learned and uh, keep conditioned. 
yeah, if you can do that and also, you know, do your basketball skill work too in the off season while you're playing lacrosse, I'm all for that. Right. But again, you know, I would say two sports max. Some of these three sport people, man, it's just really tough to, because uh, you know, the travel ball and stuff like that. You know, it's just it's just a lot for a kid. And I think sometimes kids are doing a little too much. Um, yeah. but every kid's different, man. Like it's great for kids to be involved and have stuff to do. But if you know, you might be a recruited college, you know, athlete, man, like I'm all for like honing in on something and getting great at it instead of being just good at something, right. good at three different things. Be yeah. great at, be great at one. Gotcha. I think that's a great message to end it on right there, coach. Um, I really appreciate you giving me a whole hour of your time. Hopefully you, no put, hopefully you put some sunscreen on so you're not too burnt up. I need to get some sun, man. It feels great uh, walking around out here. This, this has been great, man. I appreciate it, man. So listen, keep in touch. And if I can help you in any way, let me know. And if you guys want to come watch us practice or watch our men's team practice, just, you know, just drop me a text or give me a call or send me an email. Yeah, for sure. No, we'll um, definitely take you up on that because that's, I mean, it's right up the road. Actually, um, I think it was two years ago, there's a little middle school tournament called the uh, Capital Classic. And they wound up holding their uh, championship weekend up at Dell State. And oh, awesome. dude, the kids okay. were just like, floored like the floor i don't know if the gym floor is the same i'm assuming it is but they felt so cool to like be playing on a legit college floor that had graphics on it you know yes same way yep our core is really really cool yeah so so yeah and it's 45 minute drive man it'd be a a great great experience to hopefully open up some kids eyes of like man okay if i want this this is what i need to do consistently to get there Yep. And when you get there, put your phones away and actually pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's a great message too. All right, man. Listen, good talking to you, Sean. Thanks for calling. Let's keep in touch. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it, coach. It was great getting to know you, man. Thank you. You you too, buddy. Take care. I can't thank coach Caputo enough for his time. Um, and his son for just showing me how ignorant I am and probably most of us to the um, names and totality of dwarf planets five. Yeah. I would have never thought that <laughs> uh, also like to thank today's sponsor umbrellas uh, hats and hoodies have always strived to be them, but they have always fallen short umbrellas. Grab some shade. It's more comfortable. Also like to remind you just to follow friends, subscribe, listen, be a part of this, man. Uh, if you or someone you know has a story, hit us up, man. Getting to know you pod. Uh, we're around and we are more than willing to listen. Bye.